in Florida Ag and Review for the week of February 13th, we had this report regarding challenges of this season's vegetable crop. Well, despite forecasts calling for cold Arctic air over the weekend, South Florida Regional Extension Agent Gene McAvoy says for the most part, our specialty crop growers got lucky. National Weather Service indicated that we could see freezing temperatures in some of the normally colder areas, especially in Glades County and points north, but temperatures that I saw in most areas in southwest Florida got only as low as 36 degrees. We had very little bit of frost on metal roofs and car roofs and things like that, but really we got by. I don't I don't anticipate any damage other than the cold winds that we had. It probably caused some wind damage to some of your sensitive crops like melons and things like that. Something that McAvoy says they should easily be able to outgrow. However, he adds that even though cold air and freezes have not really been a concern this winter, disease issues have. We've seen more than the usual amount of late blight around um, Conditions, and especially last week, were ideal for development of the disease. We're seeing it on both potato and tomato, which is also unusual. Some years we see it on one or the other, but not on both. We have late blight all through southwest Florida and up into the Manatee-Hillsborough area, which, again, it's early for that area. Usually it starts in the southern part of the state and moves north. And they don't see it until late March, early April, but this year it's been up there since January as well. McAvoy says growers should have applied protectant fungicides and advises them to be sure to scout their fields. If they get into a a situation where they see disease symptoms, they need to ratchet up their spray program and get to some of the more active ingredients, such as Curvate and some of the newer fungicides that have some what we call kickback action where it'll actually, you know, have some curative action as well as protection. And with livestock, we had Randall Wiseman with this. As you've heard, exports of U.S. beef, pork, and lamb set new records across the board last year, with all three species reaching all-time highs in both volume and value, as total red meat export values exceeded $11.5 billion. U.S. Meat Export Federation President and CEO Philip Sang looks at some of the key factors that helped lead to record-breaking performance for beef exports. The biggest highlight, of course, on, on beef is the fact that we've eclipsed uh, what our performance was in 2003. We're almost at five and a half billion dollars. We're up 33% in value. When you look at the value per head of over $200 now is a direct result of the export market. Uh, I think it looks very, very promising for the producer. And this is probably one of the biggest impetus for people to uh, to start retaining heifers and, and to increase the herd because uh, the value that's coming from the export market is actually driving the value in the industry. Now, pork exports in 2011 totaled more than 4.97 billion pounds with a value of $6.1 billion. And Singh said that was up 28%. Some of the things that have really contributed to this would be our chilled programs that are, are very steady, the value-added programs that we've, uh, we're starting to work in around the world, especially in North Asia. You know, over the years, we've had this tremendous commitment by the pork producers through the checkoff, but also through soybean and corn. And as we've seen the, their contributions and their commitment to the international market increase, we've seen the increase in exports. Lamb exports totaled 40.4 million pounds with a value of $30 million. That topped the previous record set back in 2006. 
products. And Sang said exceeding the $11.5 billion in total red meat exports is a significant accomplishment as it's far in excess of what anyone predicted. We also had this update on the water war. Well, an update regarding the continuing tri-state water war as the U.S. Supreme Court has now been asked to resolve the long-running dispute between Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. Earlier this week, Florida and Alabama asked the U.S. Supreme Court to resolve the fight with Georgia about water at Lake Lanier north of Atlanta as they are seeking to overturn an 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruling last year that would allow large withdrawals from the lake for Atlanta's water supply needs. Florida and Alabama contend that such withdrawals would cause major damage downstream, including negatively affecting the aquaculture in those states, as well as hampering potential hydropower opportunities. The Supreme Court petition argues that the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals opinion conflicts with an earlier appeals court ruling and contends that the Army Corps of Engineers would need congressional approval to allow such large withdrawals for local water supply needs. The petition said that if the Supreme Court does not take up the issue, the dispute, which has been ongoing since 1990 between the states, would continue to fester. And we will wrap up for this week with Everett Griner. I climbed into the cab of a new tractor at the Sunbelt Expo last October. Uh, it was one of those huge machines that has done so much to change the way we farm. I was dumbfounded. You could see anywhere. It had two seats. Both would swivel. Both could be heated. In fact, the whole cab was climate-controlled. had computer capability, remote monitoring ability. It even had a small refrigerator to keep your drinks cold. Now, I haven't told you all the amenities by a long shot. You get into the electronic communities, and I don't understand enough to know what they are. I sat there for a few moments, staring out over the cab, and I thought, This is farming? last tractor I drove didn't even have power steering. How much money does one of these fantastic machines cost? I was afraid to ask. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.